0: Hey there ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast and I am excited for two big reasons. The first reason, real quick announcement about my daring way retreat. So you might have heard me talking about it recently that I was about to open up registration for it and I did on April 5th, less than a week ago and y'all, it sold out in two short hours. So I decided to offer a second retreat this year. I don't have Every single detail about this particular retreat yet, everything I do know about the retreat is over at yourkickasslife.com forward slash daring dash retreat, including the option to put down a refundable deposit. Because here's the thing, because there's so much interest in this retreat this year, I have given people the option to put down a deposit. And then once I announce the dates and the price of this retreat, if it doesn't work for you, we will refund your deposit. But if you do this, it holds your spot. Because I already have six people who've put down deposits, and I can only take Ten for the second retreat. The first one sold out. Second one already has six people who are in the queue ready to go. So if you're pretty sure that you want to hold your spot for that retreat, there is an option to put a deposit down over at that link that I gave you. Also, the link is over in the show notes. And again, if it doesn't work out, we will happily refund your deposit, no problem whatsoever. And so again, that's over at yourkickasslife.com/daring-retreat. Also, that link is in the show notes if you missed it. <laughs> Second reason I'm excited. I have my very dear, close personal friend, Lisa Darren Grossman, is here on the podcast. And she is somebody that I've been begging to have on the show. And she was just like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not ready. And, I think now is definitely the perfect time. She has this amazing project going on that I can't wait for her to tell you about. And I'm going to forego reading you her super profesh, fancy bio and just tell you my own kind of from the hip of this person. How our relationship started out is that we met each other online and we were friends. And then I was like, I need you to be my coach. And by the way, if you're looking for a life coach, she is... Seriously, one of the best coaches I have ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of life coaches, I've hired many life coaches in my day and she's phenomenal. And then when we were done coaching, uh, we decided we needed to be friends, and we've been great friends ever since. I actually stayed at her place in Brooklyn, definitely wore out my welcome. My my son and I were there for, I think, 10 days invading her apartment over there, and we had so much fun. And Lisa's just an amazing human being, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. So I think that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to let the rest of the conversation speak for itself, so without further ado here is Lisa. Lisa, you're finally here. Hey, I don't, I don't mean to like make it sound like it's your fault. Like, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Try harder. <laughs> I've been asking you to be on my podcast for years and you finally made it.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. It's been, it's, it has been years. It's been, I've known you what, four years now? At least.
0: Yeah. And I, as I was telling people in the intro, you know, you've been my coach and if anybody, I mean, I'm going to get ahead of myself because I'm I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like I feel like it's that friend that hasn't come over to your brand new house that you've had like a year and they're finally <laughs> over and you're like, "I'm going to show you this."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited yeah, to it's introduce a while. To you. It's it's thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, and and now we have something specific to talk about and you you have spearheaded this project that is kind of your love child. And that is so incredibly exciting and that I'm really happy to have people know about it. And so let's, let's start over there. So tell everybody, what is the connection cure and why did you start it? Like, was it something that was kind of like a download that you got from the universe that landed in your lap? Or was it like
1: the slow burn that you had been thinking of? What did that look like? So, The Connection Cure is a cross-country human engagement project, and basically what that means is I'm traveling to every state in the U.S., and within those states, I do two things. One is I host workshops that teach about the science of human connection and how it's been scientifically proven to help heal our bodies, Um, and we also talk about loneliness and and destigmatizing that topic, Um, and then the other thing is I interview people. Just interesting communities and different types of um, different types of groups of people and talk to them about connection and belonging and what it means to them. And so, how did I come up with this? <laughs> That's like it's a really loaded question, um and it can go in about eight hundred different directions. But basically, I've been kind of dealing with chronic illness for almost my entire life. You know, from as far back as I can remember, I've just lived, you know, with dis-ease. And that shows up in a lot of different ways from Lyme's disease to fibromyalgia to PTSD. Over the past 10 years in particular, I've kind of isolated myself. Um, Well, not kind of, but it's been this slow burn of like increased isolation and increased loneliness. And I didn't really realize that was what was going on. But because of the work that I do, which is, you know, I coach from home and I'm single. I don't have community during the day. I just started kind of, isolating without realizing it. And so I would spend all day at home coaching people and I would kind of hibernate a little bit partially because it was, you know, where I worked and what I did for a living. But the other part was I started to just become uncomfortable with my health and I just never felt like I could show up fully in my truth. So I felt like I was kind of carrying this secret Along everywhere I went, and the secret was like I'm constantly unwell. I'm afraid to go out in public because I look like a sick person, um, and so I just isolated for years. And during that isolation process, I just became more and more and more unwell. Um, but I always knew that you know there was more for me. Like I felt like I was like constantly on the precipice of needing a huge change. I just couldn't identify what it was. Um, and so it was about two and a half years ago that I was talking to a good friend of mine and he, you know, happened to be the touring director of the Lion King for broad on Broadway. And, uh, he was just asking me these questions like, why are you so unhappy? You know, why you feel so stuck in your life? And I, I, at that time I still hadn't identified that it was loneliness, but I said, you know, I just feel like I'm missing I'm missing the thing that I love most and that is people that is like human contact and human connection. And he was like, well, why don't you fly down to the San Diego and coach the touring cast of the lion king? And I just thought, okay, yeah, I'm just going to say yes. So I got on a plane. I flew across the country. I coached almost 50 people in the span of a week. um, And it literally brought me to life. I mean, I had been living in my bed for probably five years On and off. I would get out of bed. I would coach. I would sometimes go out in public and see people. But I had basically, you know, I work one inch away from my bed. And so, in between sessions or in between, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, I always just get back into bed and lie down. Mm-hmm. And here was like the first time that I had like really challenged myself to be completely engaged in a way that I hadn't been in a long time. So, and I'm just I, for a
0: second, so for people okay. listening who might not know yeah. what that's like, like saying like I coached 50 people in a week. What like kind of from a practical <laughs> level? That's basically you had like 50 deep conversations with strangers.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, exactly. So I would walk into a room, a total complete stranger would walk in, sit down across from me and basically open up to me Mm -hmm. and share, you know, in this particular context, it was, you know, things that were happening on the road, being on tour, um, you know, but it was this really intense moment of vulnerability that people would share. And I think it was because they knew it was just one session. Mm -hmm. And so people just like Bared their souls. I mean, people were crying and they were, I mean, it was, it was a really profound experience for me, um, looking at each other face to face and what was able to, to come to life in that room. Um, and I, I just think it, it reminded me of the, the depth of engagement that happens when you're sitting across the room from somebody and you're looking at them in the eyes and, and what, what's possible. In that space. Um, and so what I noticed for me in particular was that I started to feel more in my body. Because part of for me being sick is you live kind of five feet away from your body. You're kind of disembodied, you're not engaged. And it was hard for me to really like feel the soles of my feet on the ground. But you know, when I was with these people face-to-face, one after another, after another, after another, I could sense my physical body. And it was the first time in years that I had been able to do that. And it was really emotional for me. It was really profound. Um, And I didn't know yet what was happening, but it was basically laying the foundation for the connection here and how this project would manifest. Um, Because right after that, I went straight to my first positive psychology training, that first day in class we learned about um, this positive psychologist named Barbara Fredrickson who talks about how micro moments of connection, brief moments when you engage with somebody's genuineness or their authenticity, or their truth, whether it's eye contact or a conversation, that it's scientifically proven to help heal your body. Wow.
0: So when yeah. so get, so timeline this for me so was that that yeah. was the beginning of
1: 2016? That was, yeah, the beginning of 2016. Okay.
0: Yeah. And then, because I remember when you when you started that, and then I might be jumping ahead, but then the election happened. The,
1: you're, yeah, the, yes. No, actually, you're not yet. Yeah, you're jumping ahead, but you're not. So, so then the election happened. And, you know, after I came, you know, after I started studying positive psychology, I started really delving into the science behind all of this. And, you know, even before... The election, I had, I had like a really big aha moment, um, and that was one day in in positive psychology class when my teacher was started teaching us about loneliness and how loneliness affects the human body, and she had like a big you know PowerPoint up on the screen and it said loneliness with all these bullet points. Loneliness de- decreases our immune response. Um, loneliness causes you know puts our body into a state of fight or flight um, loneliness, you know, tenses up the muscles, you know, all the things that loneliness does that actually physically affect our health, create increased inflammation in the body. And it was in that exact moment that everything came together. It was like somebody like ran into the classroom with a baseball bat and hit me over the head and was like, wake the hell up. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really intense. I came home and I just, I think I even, I think I might've called you or I, I I I think I boxed you or something but it was like it was like that you know the clouds parted yeah. and I had this massive realization that I had been making myself more sick you know for for the past 10 years.
0: Well it's what's I think also interesting and and what I think people might be able to relate to who are listening is that like as an outsider and someone who's your friend who who talked to you on a fairly regular basis I had no idea because you have a lot of friends. Like you talk about yeah. a lot of friends. You've lived in the same area for a long time and you live in New York City. So it's easy to, you know, find people that have similar interests that you do because because y'all live so close together. <laughs> and, but at the same time, so I, I, why I think that this can be re- relating to other people, because I, I do think that even people who do have friendships and maybe who are even partnered up can still feel this this massive sense of loneliness. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's really important that that topic comes up because, you know, can you be feel, can you feel lonely or disconnected when you're with other people, you know, and that brings up the conversation of, you know, what's the first step right in the connection cure, which is connection to self, because if you're not connected to self, you might not be able to identify that you don't feel like you're showing up fully. So, for me, you know, even though, and I am incredibly social, I'm very social. Um, I was still going out and seeing people, but it was to the level that I needed to kind of express my truth. And because I was hiding something, and for me, I was hiding that I felt lonely, or I was hiding that I felt unwell, or I was hiding the fact that I needed help and mm-hmm. I couldn't ask for it. I mean, the fact that you didn't know any. I didn't of this. know,
0: I knew a little and, bit like of what you just said, like that you weren't reaching out for help, but I didn't know the extent of it.
1: I think that being chronically ill uh, for me became something that I just grew to be embarrassed about because I had had friends in the past who would roll their eyes and, and maybe not understand it um, and say, Oh, you're sick again. Or, you know, Put put you know Lisa has Lyme disease in air quotes and those things Mm. stayed with me they scarred me you know and I was just I became mortified I didn't want to be the sick person all the time but you know at the same time I had made up a story in my own head that that is how I showed up in the world and you know it's like the chicken or the egg you know did my loneliness affect my illness did my illness affect my loneliness and really the reality is it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. but you know, what I was realizing was that in my everyday life, I wasn't showing up engaged. I was showing up, but I wasn't fully engaged with my life. So I had community. I had friends. I had people in my neighborhood that I loved, but I was still really lonely. Loneliness is subjective. Yeah, true. So say more about that. Well, you know, there's this guy his name is, you know, his name is John Cacioppo and he's kind of like the leading neuroscientist that studies loneliness. He has a book it's called Loneliness and what he talks about is that loneliness is is a subjective thing, right? We can't define what it means for everybody and have that one definition be the living definition of loneliness. What what makes me feel lonely is what makes me feel lonely, but what makes you feel lonely might be different. So I could be at home with my partner and I can feel like I'm disconnected to him or her. Mm -hmm. I could be in a room with a group of friends and feel like I'm not accepted. I don't belong. And that creates that same biochemical shift of loneliness within my body. You know, it's interesting because they've done so much research about this conversation around loneliness and even being alone or being with a group of people and having a memory of a time that you felt lonely will affect your body in the same way as if you were at that moment being excluded. So when we talk about loneliness, we're not just talking about the subjective feeling, but we're also talking about a biochemical shift in your body.
0: It's so fascinating. Okay. So what, well, I know this is like a huge question, but why, and and you've talked about, you know, yes, it, it affects your body and, and, and all of that. But why now more than ever do you think that this matters? Because, you know, we're seeing a shift. I think social media has really changed everything with how we connect and how we also disconnect, because I'm, I'm a firm believer that we are more connected than ever. However, I think we're still very disconnected. But with movements like the Me Too movement, and you know, where we're we're telling our stories and and, and whether it has it has to do with it or not, but why does the connection cure and talking about loneliness,
1: why does it matter so much? I mean, it's a huge it is, it's a huge question. Um, and I think that there's so many different ways that I could talk about this, but you know, even before The shift in our country really became present. I mean, it's been here. It's, it's, it's been here all along. But this, you know, really loud and in our face dehumanization of each other, um, across politics and gender and race and everything that's going on in our country, we've already been moving towards an epidemic of loneliness. Britain just just announced a, a minister of loneliness because this is a problem that's really affecting people, you know, in the Western world. Um, there's 60 million people in America that are so lonely that it affects their physical health to the same extent as cardiovascular disease, as obesity, as smoking. So this has been A problem that's been building. And if we look back throughout the history of evolution and how we've evolved as humans, right? So we move from the caveman time to farming, right? To the industrialized society, to the invention of the car, right? So instead of walking down the sidewalks and waving to each other, we now drive in cars where we're alone a lot of the time. And, you know, now we can technically live online we don't ever have to leave our home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we can get everything that we possibly need from a computer. So it's been this, this slow build, right. To, to, you know, and I don't think everybody would call it disconnection because it's the advan- the advancement of our society. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, people, their solo living has increased 300% in the span of 40 years. Wow. Now, Does that mean that everybody that lives alone is lonely? No. But it means that people that live alone have less human contact. And that's just a fact. When you look at it in the larger picture of how society has progressed over the years, I mean, you know, remember Blockbuster Video? Yes. (laughs) You you meet up with your friends. You drive there. You walk around. You like look for that perfect video. You hope it's there. It's like a whole experience Experience. that you have before Mm -hmm. you sit down. All of these small things created an engaged life. The connection cure isn't about debunking or or saying anything negative about social media or life online. The the thing is they have to coexist. What it is about is we're not getting rid of anything, but we're just remembering and reclaiming the power of face-to-face connection, Mm -hmm. right? And that conversation, not just with people in our lives, but even with strangers. And that's really what the bottom line is. But I think, you know, what you're talking about in terms of the Me Too movement and in terms of people sharing their stories and the state of our society right now, there's a lot of, mis- you know, this is my opinion, there's a lot of misunderstanding. And if you ask me, the only way, or one of the one of the ways to break through that misunderstanding is to look somebody in the face and listen which takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that that's a great segue into my next question is for people listening. And I think that this might might be best answered in kind of like two different ways. So the people listening who are deeply resonating with your story and can relate to what you've been through and what you're going through and, um, and feeling lonely, what is one step... I mean, obviously go to one of your workshops, <laughs> which we'll talk about, <laughs> but what is one thing that they can do? And, and please explain, like, is it something that, that just for most people feels paralyzing to even take that first step? I mean, I know you can't speak for all people. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: for all people. <laughs> like what, what is, what is that one thing that they could do? I'm just trying to think about what you said around. Is it, is it paralyzing? What I hear, let me further
0: explain what I hear a lot yeah, from from people in my community is that they have lived a life of feeling like they are going to be judged and criticized if they do speak any part of their truth. If they have that hard conversation with, if they open up to anyone and so they isolate and hide out or they do have friends, but they only talk about surface conversations. They don't say, you know, like shit's been really hard at work and, or, you know, my, my partner broke up with me six months ago and and I've been just devastated over it. And I haven't told another soul. So the the history that they have actually done that has has typically like never worked out or they just never done it because they make up a story that they're going to be judged or criticized or rejected, et cetera.
1: So let me explain kind of what the basis of the connection cure is and what we talk about when I'm out there. What we talk about is how a micro moment of connection. Okay. So that is a brief moment where you can engage with somebody in a genuine way. Now, this is not just with friends, loved ones, or people that you know, but it can be with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And what they've discovered is that the same biochemical change that happens in your body when you're connecting with a friend or a loved one happens when you connect with a total stranger, So, like, which I think is pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah. So what is that? Can Give us like an example of what that might look like at
1: like the yeah. store or Starbucks or something. Totally. So this is, this is what a micro moment looks like that you're on the subway and there's a whole subway car filled with people and somebody gets on the subway and they're just acting totally bizarre. Like they're just doing crazy things. And you're looking around like, does anyone see this? Does anyone else think this is crazy? Does anyone notice what's going on? And you lock eyes with someone across from you. And all of a sudden it's like, without any words, you both get it and you both start cracking up right? You're both laughing. Like what is happening? That is a genuine positive exchange with a stranger. So what's actually happening in that moment is your brains are coupling, your mirror neurons are firing, which means that your facial expressions are mirroring each other. And there's a biochemical shift happening in your body, which is actually calming down your nervous system. So this genuine positive exchange is something that is like building a muscle, So when you're talking about having these deeper conversations, micro moments are basically laying the foundation for macro moments. So for me, when I started this project, it just started in my neighborhood. I would wake up every day and I would wake up and go, God, you know, I don't feel well. I feel out of body. I feel sick. I feel disconnected. I feel exhausted. I would force myself out the door to a coffee shop and I would just be aware It's not about changing your entire life, but it's about being aware of how you feel when you engage in some of these micro moments of connection. So I'd be talking to the barista and actually asking, well, how are you really? And answering genuinely, Mm -hmm. Ugh, I'm a little out of it today or I'm feeling a little tired or, you know, and then seeing where that conversation goes, but then pausing within myself and noticing how does it make me feel in my body? So having these small brief micro moments is basically building a resiliency in your body. It's teaching your body how to engage more, how to engage quicker and how to engage better. It's so fascinating because I
0: I love that you said it's building it like a muscle. And for me, I I think it's also part I don't know if it's part of my personality, but I do that on a pretty regular basis with strangers my mom says, Andrea can make friends with the devil himself. Like I am the person. I'm that person that annoys other people because I will turn and talk to you like as we're picking out apples. And it, and had like that, the example that you gave on the subway, I'm uh, always, I think that, and I have had people who are like, don't talk to me, (laughs) but I'm just like, okay, it's really interesting. So I wonder if, do you think it's part, and this is just my own, selfish curiosity. Do you think it's because my sister is even more so than I am. So um, I wonder if it's kind of part of your DNA too, or do you think it's just, is it a nature or a nurture thing? What do you think?
1: Well, they've done a little research on this. I mean, I don't know enough to to say that, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but um, there is a genetic, a, a genetics researcher who studied that certain people need more connection than others. So, you know, some people feel great being alone and never feeling lonely um, they don't they don't not need human connection I mean we all still need human connection it's an evolutionary need just like we need food and water and sunlight to survive we need human connection in the exact same way mm-hmm. for our bodies but you know some people that you know genetically passed down from our parents need more human connection in order to feel alive to feel engaged I don't know enough to be able to kind of say it with any certainty but I do know that there is part of it that is genetic, which is also really fascinating. But, you know, I think that what I appreciate about the conversation around it is that we all need human connection in the same way. Because, you know, we look back to cavemen times. If we weren't in community, we wouldn't survive. Yeah. So it's an actual evolutionary need. And so our bodies have stayed the same, but we don't live in caves anymore. Mm-hmm. So our bodies still react the same way to loneliness. If we're in a state of loneliness or disconnect, our body goes into fight or flight. And if it builds up over time, it can become chronic. And that's when it becomes a problem. I see. So, you know, I think like the conversation around micro moments in terms of what you're saying around how to have the larger conversation, it's like building this level of trust with yourself. How do I engage authentically even with a stranger? You know, if somebody says, how are you? What does it feel like to actually answer that truthfully from a place of curiosity or a place of, um, you know, well, this is how I am really.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I I love that you're encouraging people to start small
0: because exactly. Yeah. And, and research shows that trust is built in small increments over time. And I think it's the same with self-trust as well. Side note Speaking of weird things that happen on the subway, I want to tell a quick story. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, everybody. So most people that listen know that I went to New York. It kicked off my, my book tour. And my son came with me. So my son's 10, and he was so excited to visit New York City and ride the subway. And, you know, he's never seen anything like that. And he's also fascinated with with big cities. You know, what what better one to visit? So we, I think it was like our first time on the subway when we were visiting Yeah, you. And yeah. we get on the subway and it's not crowded at all. And this guy gets on looking a little, little disheveled. And he, and meanwhile, it was what, like five degrees outside. It was when that cold snap <laughs> was coming up the East coast and he opens was the window. It freezing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then
0: another guy came over and starts yelling at him. So this argument is taking place and it's like getting louder and louder and more heated. And we, we moved, right? Didn't we move to the other
1: side of the, Yeah, your your son was like, his eyes were like bugging out.
0: (laughs) My child who's never seen a fight ever, never even seen, I don't even think, I don't even think that he's ever even seen two people argue, like in real life, other than like in a movie. And so he's just like, oh my God. So I'm worried this fight's about to break out. And then I turn to you and I'm like, is this... Pretty regular, and you were like, I have no. And you've been like riding in the subway for like 30 plus years, and I think you said you've seen just seen like one fight your whole life, like on the subway. <laughs>
1: I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy things on the subway, but it was that was that was an interesting moment. Oh, I <laughs> that like, one guy was like, No, nope, the window open, not happening. Like, he was I'm like what's shut it wrong down. with you, man? What do you think you're doing? <laughs> and so, my son was getting like the full. Welcome to New York. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's actually an interesting example because how many people on the subway were probably like, I'm freezing. Right. <laughs> right. Like, cold. people were looking at each other like, I'm cold or like, what's going on? So, I mean, just to be, you know, like in a micro moment, you're finding a similarity with a total stranger. Mm-hmm. That it's, opens it's the, the door. Yeah. For the weather. Right? So, you know, part of what is awesome about micro moments is really what we're talking about is how do we open the door to deeper conversation, right? It takes one person to open the door and the door is a similarity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And
0: I, and I want to kind of switch gears here and, and talk more about your experience in kind of going on this. I call it a pilgrimage. You call it something <laughs> else, right? <laughs> no, I, I've i
1: been calling it a pilgrimage too. <laughs>
0: We're interrupting this podcast episode so I can share with you a little bit about one of our sponsors. You know I'm always telling you how in order to slow down, listen to your intuition, and surrender, you need a practice. And yoga and meditation are excellent practices for cultivating those things. I've also been honest with y'all about how I tend to ride the struggle bus when it comes to this, right? Yoga Glow is online yoga and meditation that you can do literally anywhere. I started using Yoga Glow last year when my friend told me about it because it's so convenient. They have unlimited access for just eight. $18 a month. And y'all, they have thousands of classes from the best of the best instructors throughout the world. Another thing I love about them is that you can search based on instructor, type of yoga or meditation, the amount of time the class is, and even by category like prenatal or digestion or sleep, really anything. And I have to say, I have seen a difference in my own mood, my creativity, and just all around in my emotional and mental well-being since I've been using Yoga Glow. Get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up on Yoga glow.com slash kickass. That's yogaGlow.com slash kickass for two weeks free. glow.com slash kickass. Because it <laughs> hasn't always been like, let's throw confetti and have micro moments and teach people about connection. No. It's No. Tell us a challenge that has happened and the lesson
1: that you learned from it. Oh, God. Just one challenge. Okay. I mean, you got so, poop in your hair. <laughs> oh, my God. I did get poop in my hair. <laughs> no one's going to understand what that means. I was living on a sailboat for five days and you have to pump the toilet. And there's a part when you pull up the pump that it like, I didn't realize that it, it spritz back <laughs> and I got poop all in, I mean, it's disgusting. I was, and I was just, it was like stormy and the boat was rocking and I got poop all over my hair. And I was just like, is this freaking for real right now? Like, what the hell am I doing? I literally have shit in my hair. (laughs) I'm on a freaking sailboat that smells like poop. Meanwhile, people were commenting about how nice it must be for you to be on vacation on a yacht. Everyone was like, oh, it must be nice to be on vacation and just live on a boat. And I'm like, no, I'm sleeping on a teeny little, it wasn't even a couch. It was like a cushion. Like I'm sleeping like a mummy because I can't move. I poop in my hair. Yeah, You know, know, the trip has been, I've, I've been to five states and I spend about a month in each state and I it's been equal parts absolutely incredible and life-changing and magical and really freaking hard. I have chronic illness. <laughs> My body is not is not normal, you know, and I I struggle, you know, when I'm on the road, I probably see 15 chiropractors um and I open myself up to being sick with strangers. So when I'm on the road, I stay with strangers. I stay with people I haven't seen in 20 years. I basically stay with whoever will open the door for me. And, you know, I've like, I've basically hid out in my apartment for 10 years because I'm afraid to be vulnerable and sick with other people. I have not been unwell with, like, I don't let anybody into my apartment when I'm sick because I'm lying on the bathroom floor and I'm puking and it's a mess. And it's really scary and really vulnerable. And when I'm on the road, I I open myself up for moments like that. My last trip, not this past one, but the last one where I traveled in California, Nevada, I was really, really unwell and I kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it was the morning of a huge event that I actually did at Facebook headquarters. And I was puking all morning. I was just crying and puking and I was like, I am never going to be able to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But I had no choice. And so I call a lift and I get in and I'm literally curled in the back in a ball and the guy that the lift driver is like, are you okay? And I just started crying. like, I'm not, I'm freaking out. I'm doing this crazy project and everyone thinks I'm on vacation and it's really hard. And I'm sleeping on an air mattress and I'm going to Facebook and it's the biggest event I've ever done. And I feel so sick. And he was like, he just turned around and he said, you got this. Wow. It was just so, so simple, but he just, he just turned around as he was driving. And he was like, I know this is weird, but I just believe in you. Wow. And you did it. Yeah. There was just something, I just needed somebody to look at me in the face and say, you know what? You're okay. Mm -hmm. And even, even a stranger, because there's just something about the genuineness and the way that he spoke to me that I actually believed him. And I think sometimes, especially for me, we build up in our minds, you know, this is how I am. I'm going to be sick forever. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm terrified. And that terror creates more anxiety. It's like this vicious cycle. And what he did was just calm my body down for a second. And he just said, you know, I see you like curl up, lie back there. I got you. You're going to be okay. I'm going to take you to the door and you're going to do it because you have to. And so within like all of that fear about around my body, not being well, it's also me relearning how to appreciate what my body's done for me.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I I bet that's a huge, huge lesson in all of this, because what you could do is you could focus on the hard parts. And there's there's been some hard parts and some not nice people. And I know that's been a challenge, too. But um, what's been I know you just you just told us a a great story of of connection that you have. But what have been because I'm I'm thinking back of all the things that you've told me about. You've worked with people with disabilities, you've worked with women, feminists that live in the deep south, you've worked with people who like a that Bigfoot guy and then the mermaids and the the gun collectors, like all kinds of different people. It's been fascinating. Like what's been your what's been, let me ask you this? Like what's been the most surprising thing that's happened to you?
1: Wow. The most surprising thing. Cuz
0: I know one of the challenges was that you and I might not explain this, this well, but you wanted to step out of your comfort zone and have yeah. workshops with people who were not that you wouldn't, you, you, you make up, you probably wouldn't normally be friends with them. You didn't share the same political beliefs,
1: et cetera. Yeah. 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 I guess, you know, the, this last trip, I, I spent a month in Florida. I actually fell in love. With, I actually, I never thought I would say this, but I fell in love with Florida, but it was that I fell in love with the communities that I met along the way. And I guess the most surprising experience for me was the Everglades. I was introduced to this couple who, who live in the middle of the Everglades, like down a dirt road, like two hours down a dirt road. And they have this what they call a speakeasy every month where they open their doors on their property and bikers come bikers, huge dudes with mustaches and, you know, big, huge biker dudes, um, and, and not just bikers, but people from all over the world or people show up on their property and they have a rule. You know, there's no judgment allowed here. Everybody's here to connect and to meet one another. This was a huge challenge for me because growing up in New York city, I really, I recognize now that I clump people into categories. Um, and to me, what that means is, you know, if you live here, this is who you are and this is what you think and this is how you act. Mm-hmm. And part of this project for me is putting myself in p- places that are uncomfortable and being a courageous listener, which for me is really hard. I mean, its I think it's hard for all of us to actually listen to somebody without judging them. Yeah. Or to to be in my judgment and to still be curious. And to let that person kind of change that judgment, that prejudgment. And so I, this couple invited me onto their property for one of their speakeasies. You know, I, my friend and I drove, you know, we're out, we're down the road. There's, I'm, I'm not even being sarcastic. There's alligators all over the road. Like in the road? I mean, yes, there's it's a dirt <laughs> road. We're just like, allig- oh, we're like, driving around. She's like, alligator. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh wait, there's alligators everywhere. (laughs) Like in the beginning, we were all excited, but it was like being in a different world. And we're driving and we show up on their property, we get out of the car and there's just all these huge bikers, these huge biker dudes. Stephanie and I look at each other like, whoa. And you're there to give a workshop on connection. Yeah. To have these conversations with people about how being at this speakeasy on this property enables different types of connection for them. <laughs> and we kind of stop in the car when we pull and we look at each other like, what did we just get into? Oh I mean, we're scared and we get out of the car. People are carrying, you know, people are carrying guns
0: mm-hmm.
1: They're, You know, it's Florida. It's like a different, it's like an open carry. And in my mind, I'm like, what am I doing here? But I know that part of my project is to challenge myself to have conversations. And I have to say, we we walked in in total fear. Within five minutes, Lucky and his wife brought everyone together and said, guys, this is Lisa. This is Stephanie. They're here to talk about human connection. Start talking. Start connecting. <laughs> Start connecting. Honestly, my mind exploded. These huge dudes who, in my mind, I was terrified of, just started sharing. This is what it's like to be connected in the biker community. This is where what we share together. This is how we find similarity. I was there after a lot of stuff had just recently happened around gun control, and especially in Florida, and I was able to have conversations with people about my beliefs and their beliefs. And nobody ran me off the property. You know, the conversations were had. We were listening to each other. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people in my life, I don't want to say a lot, but certain people that don't believe in what I'm doing in terms of engaging in that type of conversation. But I, for me, that was, that was a real aha moment. And part of that was, I need to listen more. Mm-hmm. And where am I meeting these people in terms of, like, what do we have that's similar? And also giving them the benefit of the doubt. They're not all
0: blank, Right. I I want to just point out one thing that you said during that story that I think is so important and you said you kind of stopped yourself almost. You said like, you know, walk in with no judgment or have my judgment and also have curiosity. And I think that that's important because I I I make up that for a lot of people they feel like, "Oh, I need to get to this enlightened place of of no judgment." I personally don't, and again, I don't know, I don't know the brain science on this, but I think that we just have this natural ability to just sort of go there immediately to, to judge. And yeah. and like you were saying, like categorize people, is just what we do as humans. But what if you just stayed there and and just got curious about it? And it sounds like that's what you did.
1: And um, Yeah. I mean, I, getting rid of judgment, especially in that situation was not I mean, it's not about that at all. It would have been distracting for you to focus on that. Yeah. I mean, for me to walk in and be like, I'm going to clear my mind and be totally Zen and I'm going to be open to everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's bullshit. I, I am a, I am very strong in my belief system. I'm very strong in my political stance. I'm very strong in, in what I believe in, and that's never going to change at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel really passionately about my beliefs, but that wasn't what, you know, it's not, I'm not walking onto this property and trying to engage in a political conversation. I'm trying to stand true in who I am and my belief systems and listen to somebody else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh oh my gosh. Like I could, I have so many more questions for you, but I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up. I'll have to have you on again, maybe, you know, as you, as you get more States under, under your belt. And so what I want to do now is ask you, how can people, if someone wants to, have a workshop in their area or knows of a place that would be perfect? Like what exactly are you looking for and how can people connect with you? What do you want people to do now?
1: So I basically put out a call to action before I choose a state. So I think my next two states are going to be Oregon and Washington. And basically what I say is, can you gather a minimum of 10 people in a living room, in an office space, in a wellness studio, in a yoga studio, in a nonprofit? Um, in a backyard. I'll literally do these events anywhere and they're all by donation. You can find me on my website. There's a submission form that people fill out if they're interested in having me come. And so, yeah, that's the easiest way to find me. You can, you know, sometimes I put up the call to action on social media as well. Oregon and Washington, if anybody knows anybody that knows anybody.
0: Knows anybody that knows anybody. Are there specific, and it's com. everybody, the, the, um, link will be in the show notes. And is there any specific type of group that you're looking for? Or is it kind of just anyone?
1: It's really anybody. I'm, I I do love, love working with nonprofits, but it's really anybody. I mean, I do events in living rooms, um, in people's homes. I do them in office spaces. I literally do them anywhere. Part of what I'm trying to do with this project is get as diverse as I possibly can Mm -hmm. and not just stick to one type of community or group. So I really like to put the call out and see what comes back.
0: Mm Okay. Okay. Awesome. And again, lisadarren.com, everyone, please go and check her out. And also, if I may do a plug, you have (laughs) been one of the best coaches I've ever had. So if anybody wants to hire you (laughs) to be their coach, (laughs) highly recommend Lisa. And thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm so selfishly, I'm so grateful that I got to have this one-on-one conversation with you to hear more about it all in one place instead of in spurts, you know, as you're traveling around and driving through the Everglades, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know what I would do without you. (laughs) So you've been my, you saved me on this last trip as my constant download. So I'm in deep gratitude to you.
0: Well, I, I feel like I'm the lucky one. So if you want, I mean, we can just spend the next, I have like 30 minutes. We can just validate each other for 30 minutes. (laughs) Let everybody listen. (laughs) I acknowledge. (laughs) People are like, and pause the recording. (laughs) But no, thank you everyone also for, for listening. I know how, how much your time is being, um, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. So I'm just grateful for anybody that has taken the last hour to, to listen to this. I think I'm a firm believer in this project and what you're teaching the world. And I know Lisa one of the most incredible writers I know too. So I'm, I'm hoping that a memoir is going to come from this or some kind of publication about everything that was learned and, and happened. So again, thank you everyone for being here. And thank you, Lisa, for being here. And until next time, everyone, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.